Now here's part two of our look at Allen Superior Court's new domestic violence court. Well, let's pick up our great conversation we're having today with Judge Lori Morgan, Keisha Theory, Lori Gray, Hillary Knipstein, and John Olinger about Allen Superior Court's new family domestic violence court. We left off with a question in part one about how does a family get referred into domestic violence court in the first place? This may be a related question, but what do you all look for in clients that might mean they are a good candidate for this program? I look for the willingness. I feel like if someone's asking for help, that's a huge step because it's hard to ask for help. So if someone asks for help, I feel like it's our duty to help them and, and give them the services and help them with resources. We do have an established set of criteria that we're looking for also. There has to be a finding that a child is a child in need of services in order for a person to be eligible for the program. There need to be allegations of domestic violence from one parent to the other, or that parent to the child, or that parent to another person in the presence of a child. As Keisha said, there needs to be voluntary willingness to participate in the program. They can't be a participant in any other problem-solving court, and they must be willing to acknowledge that an incident of domestic violence has occurred, or at least conditions are right in their life to lead to an incident of domestic violence, that there have financials or other stressors that could lead to domestic violence occurring. So those are some of the things that we're looking for. And of course, the approval of the domestic violence court judge is required as well. And you hear all of these cases. These I, all are in front of you. Yes. Okay. As the PD, we get them early, and I know Hillary probably even earlier than we do, but we look for some of those same signs. When I have a new client, the first thing I look at is, is there a problem-solving court they should be in rather than open chance? That means either FRC, which is Family Recovery Court, which is really drug-oriented, and DV Court, which is what we're talking about. Many times you have both. You have drug issues, and, and you have to treat one or the other in our situation. So you kind of look at what is the dominant problem and move them along. And, and to some degree, it doesn't even matter which one they go in. As long as they get into the problem-solving court, I think it, it better serves them. There's a lot of advantages both for the client and the child for yeah. that. But I think as a PD, we I, at least I do, I, I screen people from my initial conversation. You know, The willingness actually is what I check last. I'm checking the legal boxes first as a PD, and then I look, okay, and I assume you want to go do this, right? And that always do they do. And with domestic violence court, it's a little more difficult than FRC because mm -hmm. you're in court once a week. You know, you have to make that commitment. We're able to do that sometimes by phone or, or Zoom, but, but that's a lot of commitment. If you have a job and if you have children and family and everything else, you have to commit to that several hours a week, every week. That weekly appearance in court, does that involve all members of the family? Does that involve the offending parent, survivors? Is that everybody coming into court once a week? Typically, it would be just the survivor. We have hearings for survivors in the morning, so it might be the survivor and maybe their children. And then the, for the offending parents, we have them in the afternoon. And maybe they might bring children as well. It just kind of depends. But that's the setup. And it's once a week for phase one where that's the introductory phase, where the participants are getting assessments so that we can determine what their needs are and what their strengths are, how we can help them. And then after about 30 days, they've generally completed those assessments and we would look, be looking at transitioning them to phase two, which is the, the kind of the bulk of the process because they'd actually begin participating in the services that were called for in the assessments that they completed. So if they did a diagnostic assessment in phase one, then in phase two, they would begin to comply with the 
recommendations of that diagnostic assessment. They meet once every two weeks in phase two. Phase three is kind of the home run phase where they need to be able to demonstrate that they have a sustained way of caring for themselves and their children and that they're safe and can provide an appropriate home for the child. They will meet about once every three to four weeks. I mentioned in part one of this episode that there's an incredibly deep bench of talented people and resources working together on behalf of Family Domestic Violence Court. Let's give them a little bit of a shout out for a second. Who are some of the other partners you all work with on this important project? I'm a guardian ad litem and the other guardian ad litem on this team is Steve Griebel. Mm -hmm. So we started the process of forming the Family Domestic Violence Court by asking community members who we call stakeholders those who we already were already working with the population they were already invested in helping families in our community and it was so amazing to see all the different organizations who wanted to help us and the center for nonviolence phoenix and associates northeastern ywca the women's fund of fort wayne quality counseling the fort wayne police department victims assistance along with captain hunter from the fort wayne police department amani family services the public defender's office scan the Department of Child Services, the Boys and Girls Club, Bowen Center, the Allen County Prosecutor's Office, and the Indiana Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So you see there was a lot of stakeholders who, who were at the table and ready to participate. And from this group, we were able to form our staffing team, which like the judge mentioned in part one, we meet every week to discuss the participants, what their goals are, how we can help them to achieve those goals, and how they can maintain personal and child safety that leads to a safe and healthy family. One of the things coming from that coalition is we've now agreed to have a website, a domestic violence website, that I think Ms. Gray and some others may be working on, where we're going to just have one website that lists all of the resources in the county. There'll be a definition of domestic violence. There'll be a way, if a, if a survivor is on the website, for this person to get out of the website as a safety and protection measure. Mm -hmm. If someone is you know around that they don't want them to know that they're looking at this site, which will contain resources for legal resources, housing, etc. In order to get into this program, clients have to step up from the very beginning. A participant has to acknowledge current or previous domestic violence or mental health needs. How important, for anybody who wants to take this one, how important is that first step for both the offending parent and the survivors of domestic violence? There's different opinions because I would say that I've been doing addictions therapy for over 20 years and I've learned through that that when you point at someone and say you need help with this and they don't feel they need help with that then they're not going to be paying a lot of attention to that where if you give them the skills and the resources and help them to come to conclusions on their own if you just surround them with support and help them to maybe say oh in this class like that is me or oh I can identify with that then you're going to get more buy-in from the participant and that's what we need is that buy-in so stepping up to say I am this or I am that for me is not important in the mm -hmm. beginning the willingness the participating and the commitment like Mr. Olinger said are in the forefront for me for Hillary generally speaking talk for a moment about the advantages to families who are already involved in the Chins process to participating in domestic violence court and on the on the flip side are there any disadvantages it certainly doesn't seem like it 
So I think from my perspective, working in multiple problem-solving courts, the benefit to a family participating in domestic violence court is the frequent check-ins allows you to build a relationship um, and better collaboration between service providers, caseworkers, and the other parties to the case. And I think it's a lot easier to lead from the relationship when you're managing a case like this to encourage or provide feedback about other things that might need to happen. And I also think that the cases with that increased relationship, we tend to see better results as the case progresses. Now, since Hillary dropped the term, and I have been teasing people with it since we started this, problem-solving courts. Domestic violence court is Allen County's eighth problem-solving court. Those include other programs like drug court, veterans court, and right here in Judge Morgan's division, family recovery court. Why is the problem-solving court model so valuable to the ultimate mission of, of the courts? One thing is I feel as if, and I think it's been said before, I just want to emphasize it, the problem-solving court tends to focus on treatment and rehabilitation as opposed to punishment. You're able to develop and cultivate relationships from the people who are participating in the program in a different way than you would with a regular Chins case. So like with our court, if I had a regular Chins case, I would be seeing that family once every six months. But with the problem-solving court, I'm seeing them once every week for the first phase, then once every two weeks, and then once um, every three to four weeks. And I'm building trust and and we're we're forming a relationship which makes them want to participate in services, makes them want to benefit from services, makes them want to succeed because we're all in that courtroom and we're cheering them on. You know, when they're receiving incentives for great work, we, we applaud them and it just is such a good feeling. You don't have that from a regular Chen's case which is a little bit more, I don't know if sterile is the right word, but it's a little bit more formal. Whereas with the problem-solving court, you have a, a, a team of community professionals who are involved. Everybody's at the table. Everybody has involvement. Everybody has ownership. And the research tends to say that problem-solving courts are really hugely successful for those reasons, that you, you have better build relationship building, you have better and increased um, attendance, but participation as well, and, and benefit from service. We're one of the few places that you run into where we want our customers to never ever come back. We want to solve (laughs) those problems from the first time we get a chance and hope that they never come back. Relationship is for me the key. I heard Judge Morgan say, well, we need to be on a first name basis this week. And I had to think, what's her first name? Yeah, Judge. To call a judge by her first name is (laughs) just just not done and and that was a struggle for me I didn't say that at the time but that is kind of what it is it is a family we get to know our clients I've been in Chen's I was initially in Judge Hartzler's pot I had 216 cases we were in FRC we had fewer cases in FRC but it's hard to build that personal relationship as a PD when you have 216 cases I in Judge Morgan's pot I have fewer but when you have I know their children's names. I know the significant others' names. I know where they work. I mean, there's a personal relationship that develops. And it's one thing for me to tell a client his legal position, but when you're talking to a person you've built a relationship to, there's more buy-in by both parties. 
And I think that personal relationship is one of the reasons family recovery works. I, I still have clients in FRC and I have personal relationships with them. And there's a higher success rate when, when they're accountable. Also, because you have a personal relationship, if they don't do what they're supposed to, there's an accountability. And if a, an attorney doesn't do what they're supposed to, they're going to say, hey, you were supposed to do this. Oh, yeah, there's an accountability part of that that comes with the personal relationship. And I think that is the most vital part of every uh, problem-solving court. I would add that I think problem-solving courts work for the same reason that mastermind groups and mediation works because you're bringing all of the professionals together, putting all of these experienced people in a room looking at the same problem and it becomes more of a creative organic process compared to regular chins cases where it feels, I think participants feel like I'm a baton in a relay race and I'm going to get handed from this person to that person to this person and weeks and months will go by before everybody comes together and you know we're reading the same reports but what we've experienced over the last weeks and months if anything has been different and so I think that having the judge every week having your public defender every week and having everybody coming together to say what's going well how can we build on that and where are we having issues and how can we make an adjustment as opposed to pushing it down the road weeks and months and then coming back and realizing we're not really serving this mm -hmm. person well. Lori, while you've got the mic, another question for you. You mentioned to me when we were getting ready for this that there are not one but two guardians at Lightham assigned to this program. You mentioned Steve Griebel earlier, I think it was back in part one, representing the interests of kids involved in Chin's cases. Talk about the benefit that those different strengths and experiences that you and Steve bring to the work that you do. I feel like you kind of get a two-for-one deal when you have somebody like Steve Griebel that you get to work with and me because we are very different people. But I've known Steve for years and years and his experience when he was in private practice and when he was working for the Department of Child Services and we have the same information and we can talk about what we think, what we see, what questions and information we want and then here's my idea on what I I think that's in the best interest of the child and I get to talk with Steve about it before I present it to the team or present it to the judge and so you get a much fuller broader view of things by having multiple people and every time they come into court there's a public defender there for them and three different perspectives and experiences and problem-solving creative ideas and I just think that the synergy of that can do nothing but help our participants and especially the children. John, same question to you. You're not the only public defender working on this program. How do you and your colleagues work together for the benefit of the clients? The other two PDs are Mike Lardy and Daniel Flora, and they're both very good, experienced Chins public defenders. Um, unless a conflict arises, one of one of the things that doesn't happen in the Chins world is they don't stop our cases that are also going on in other courtrooms, and at the same time we're trying to do DV. So we do rely on each other to cover for each other. Maybe maybe I, I have another hearing in another room, so Mike Lardy covers my case for me. So we we all know essentially each other's cases, and occasionally we have a conflict where we can't cover for each other, meaning we're representing one of the other parties in the Chins case. But 
aside from that, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of teamwork throughout, not just the public <laughs> defenders, but also with DCS and with uh, the GALs and all the service providers um, being able to talk and communicate. I think one of the greatest strengths is we have enough people from enough different perspectives that we can think outside of the box and come up with solutions that otherwise nobody would have thought of in a normal Chins case when my job is to defend against her and... <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're more of an, a, 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 you know, prosecutor, no, I would say it's not criminal, but it, it's still kind of a prosecutor-public defender relationship where she's got allegations and I'm defending him with, with this, hey, you know, this is, can we do this? What about this? What does this client need? It's much more collaboration, not just with the public defenders, but with every single team member in the, in the uh, DV court. Maybe for Judge Morgan and Keisha, this program may be young, just got underway back in March, but it's already been provisionally certified by the Indiana Supreme Court. You are about to undertake a longer-term certification that kind of sounds to me like it's going to give you a chance to see some early results and, and really get to bask in the success of the program. Talk about that longer-term certification process that's coming up soon. Yes, we are um, anxious to, at the end of the month, we're going to be meeting with representatives from the Office of Court Services to seek certification. And as part of that process, they'll be talking with me, with Keisha, they'll be talking with many of our stakeholders, and even talking with our participants to make sure that we're complying with the problem-solving court rules. And really, I think, to make sure that we're providing services that benefit uh, the people that we're here uh, to serve. So we're excited about that process. It's going to be actually a two-day process on a Monday and a Tuesday. And I don't think that they're trying to hurt anyone through that certification process. They're just trying to make sure that we're doing the right thing and we're appropriately serving people. And we're looking forward to the opportunity of seeking certification, full-blown certification. I think it's something that it's a goal we have, and I know that it's something that we can achieve. We just need to work really, really hard and make sure that we have everything in order. But we've got an awesome, awesome program that I'm so excited about. Kind of final exam day for something yes. that you all have <laughs> yes. really got your hearts invested in and, right. and a lot of a lot of great resources and I think it's going to be really exciting to see some of the things that come out of this that, that are an early proof of the work that you all do. Now this may be uh, where I, I go on a bit of a monologue here and there's more of a statement than a question but I thought this was worth noting. A few months ago Judge Morgan you said this about the difference between a traditional process and what you all do in family domestic violence court. Here it is. The quote is, what we can do is provide the right treatment in the right way at the right time to give family survivors and perpetrators of domestic violence their best possible future. That really is the secret to making a difference for families who've experienced this sort of trauma, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a unique opportunity to take a deep dive into the cases that are before us and rely on our panel of experts to make sure that we are providing the right services for these families so that we can achieve our mission of helping them have a safe home environment and end the cycle of violence once and for all. That's the, that was really a, a huge concern of mine about people coming back over and over and over again after we delivered services to them. Now with this unique court, we have an opportunity to have a whole host of experts come together and help us to make sure that we are providing the best cutting-edge services for them so that we can work together to end the cycle of violence once and for all. We have covered a lot of territory 
really told the community about something exciting here that you all and your colleagues are doing for people that you've never met before, but you're doing it really out of the kindness of your hearts and a dedicated commitment to making this community a better place. Any final words? I just have to say I am so thankful to be surrounded by a community of experts and people who are just as passionate as I am about making a difference in the lives of children and families in our community. It's just an awesome opportunity for me. It's a blessing for me to be able to bless the families who appear in our courtroom. So I'd like to say to each, all of you, thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are and all you're doing to help us help the families and children who appear in our court. So I thank you. Thank you, Judge Morgan, and and I'd like to say that this is really a unique opportunity to serve, but also to work with a group of professionals in a way that allows each of us to learn and grow and better grapple with this problem of society in a way that will hopefully provide benefits years from now. If they don't come back anymore, we are satisfied. That means we've really <laughs> right. done our jobs. I think I said it earlier. I'm not sure which part of this is headed in, but we're we're the only business that would love to put itself out of business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I said it at the beginning of this, and I'll, I'll say it again. My favorite part of doing these podcasts is getting to sit with people such as yourselves and really get a feel for the commitment that goes into the work that goes on at the Allen County Courthouse every day. So thank you again to you all, Judge Lori Morgan, Keisha Theory, Lori Gray, Hillary Knipstein, and John Olinger. Thank you for your time, and thanks for being on In Session. Thank you, thank you for the opportunity. This has been In Session, an inside look at the Allen County, Indiana Courts. For more on this topic and others, visit allensuperiorcourt.us. Thanks for listening. The next episode is coming right up.